Well, good morning. We're going to just look at a few points before we get on to the main subject. Whether you saw it or not, but there was a Roman Catholic Synod at the Vatican. And it was called to address the rising persecution of Christians in the Middle East. It finished around the 23rd of October. And there was a joint statement issued that focused a lot of attention on demanding Israel end its occupation of Arab lands. This was called to address the persecution of Christians in the Middle East. This is how it ended up. Cyril Salim Bustros, he's a Lebanese-born Greek. He's Archbishop of Our Lady of the Annunciation in Boston, Massachusetts. And he was responsible for delivering the final statement. Roman Catholic Church has always been anti-Semitic. Don't forget that. In clarifying, clarifying remarks, he stated that the Holy Scriptures cannot be used to justify the return of Jews to Israel and the displacement of the Palestinians, to justify the occupation by Israel of Palestinian lands. The Holy Scriptures have nothing to do with that. He then escalated the situation by declaring that the original promises made by God to the children of Israel were nullified by Christ. There is no longer a chosen people. You know, people may be surprised, but the, the Roman Catholic and many other churches have got this so-called replacement theology. Bustros rejected the idea of Israel as the Jewish state and insisted that eventually all the so-called Palestinian refugees must return to the land. That's a sure recipe for the demographic destruction of the world's only Jewish nationhood. The only democratic state in the Middle East. So there we have it. A leopard never changes its spots as far as the Church of Rome is concerned. But here's, a, here's something really lovely. This is by Hudson Taylor, that wonderful missionary to China. I am no longer anxious about anything. As I realize the Lord is able to carry out his will, and his will is mine. It makes no matter where he places me or how. That is rather for him to consider rather than me. For in the easiest positions he must give me his grace, and in the most difficult his grace is sufficient. He's not worried. He wasn't worried where God was going to place him. Because no matter where it was, it was either he must give me his grace and in the most difficult situations, his grace is sufficient. And that applies to each one of us 
day by day. This morning we will be remembering the Lord in the breaking of bread. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 26 it says as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup ye do show the Lord's death till he come as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup ye do show the Lord's death till he come four things in this verse are important it says as often frequently on many occasions this uh, command that uh, was given here is not just for the odd time no in fact the exact opposite as we see with the early Christians it was a, memor a memorial that was to be constantly before the thoughts and minds of the believers. Something which was to be there for fresh in the forefront of their minds, of their thoughts and their actions. They were to think about this often. But this repetition was not to become something mechanical but was to be fresh each time unfortunately in many places it has become a formality something repeated in a liturgy instead of something fresh from the Holy Spirit and from men's hearts and then the second thing going to eat the bread and drink the cup. Jesus, when he was speaking in John 6 from verse 26, it says, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Ye seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. I was saying, you're seeking me because materially you were satisfied. It goes on. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. Then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might work the works of God? And you know, man hasn't changed. I was thinking about this, this last night. What shall we do? Man always wants to do something in order to please God. It's a natural reaction. We say salvation is a gift from God. Repent and come to God and accept Christ. But what, what are we to do? Man always wants to do some work in order to gain his salvation. Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God. This is the work you have to do. That ye believe 
on him whom he hath sent. They said therefore unto him, What sign showest thou then, that we may see and believe? What dost thou work? Our fathers did eat manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. They wanted a sign. People always want to either see something or do something. But scripture tells us it's by faith. We accept Christ by faith. People want to do and to see. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. When we come to the Lord Jesus Christ and accept him as our Saviour and Lord, he gives us living water within us, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we'll never thirst again. And feeding on the living bread and drinking at the fountainhead, and whoso drinketh, Jesus said, shall never, never thirst again. What? Never thirst again? No, never thirst again. And whoso drinketh, Jesus said, shall never, never thirst again. Jesus gave her water that was not in the well. She went away singing and came back bringing others for the water that is not in the well. Jesus still gives water that is not in the well to those who come believing and his word receiving. He gives the heavenly water that is not in the well. In Matthew 26, we read at verse 22, And as they did eat, Jesus took bread, and blessed, and brake it, and gave to them, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many. Just that simple action as they were eating, he took bread, broke it, and gave to the disciples. His body broken, and his blood poured out. When he went out to Calvary, this symbol was shown in its reality. And then that verse goes on. By doing this act of remembrance, by eating the bread 
and drinking of the cup of the new covenant representing the body of the Lord Jesus Christ broken and his blood poured out at Calvary it says ye do show the Lord's death we've said this before it was not his birth wonderful as that was with all the things that happened around the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ the event viewed by humble shepherds visit later of the wise men and the promise of scripture fulfilled unto us a child is born but unto us a son is given a child was born but that child was the son of God given by the father and the son came in obedience to the father's will and the prophecies were fulfilled wasn't to remember his life the life in all its holiness all its sinlessness all its purity all his life's in separation from sin his suffering his rejection his anguish his loneliness he was truly a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief it wasn't his miracles we were to remember those wonderful miracles which he performed feeding the five thousand raising the dead healing the sick calming the sea at this memorial that he has ordered us to to partake of none of these but his death his death why was the death of Jesus to be remembered because it was at the cross of Calvary where Jesus bore the penalty for my sins it says in 2nd Corinthians 5 21 him who knew not sin he was made sin for us that we might become God's righteousness in him isn't that wonderful Jesus Christ who knew no sin became sin for us made sin for us that we might become God's righteousness in him and so by his death we may know the forgiveness of sins when by faith we accept Christ as Savior believing Romans 4 25 who has Jesus Christ who has been delivered for our offenses and has been raised for our justification that's what happened at Calvary he was delivered and suffered the wrath of God for our offenses 
and he has been raised from the dead for our justification. The wonderful knowledge of peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. But by his death, there's one other thing. We may also know freedom from sin. As we identify with Christ in his death. Romans 6.22 in Darby's translation it says. But now having got your freedom from sin. And having become bondsmen to Christ. Ye have your fruit unto holiness. And the end everlasting life. It's not a wonderful verse. But now having got your freedom from sin and having become bondsmen to Christ ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Isn't that incredible? We're going to look at Romans 6 read a few verses from it. Verse 5 for if we are become identified with him in the likeness of his death, so also we shall be of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man has been crucified with him, that the body of sin might be annulled, that we should no longer serve sin. For he that has died is justified from sin. You know the, the hymn writer. Writing of old. He had the right idea. He says my sin. Oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin not in part. But the whole. Is nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh my soul. Paul says in verse 6 of Romans 6. Knowing this. That our old man has been crucified with him. That the body of sin might be annulled. That we should no longer serve sin. My sin. Oh the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin not in part. But the whole is nailed to the cross. And I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. The Bible speaks of the forgiveness of sins. But it does not speak of the forgiveness of sin. Sin has been condemned in the flesh at the cross. In the death of Christ, sin has been condemned in the flesh been judged and condemned Romans 8 verse 1 there is then now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus for the law of the spirit of life in Christ hath set me free from the law of sin and death the law of the spirit of life in Christ has set me free 
from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God having sent his own Son in the likeness of flesh of sin and for sin, has condemned sin in the flesh. Sin is condemned. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 23. Now we've been looking at Deuteronomy quite a bit over the past year or so. And perhaps when we looked at these two verses I'm going to refer to, we, we didn't really probably bring anything out enough from these two verses. And we look at them again this morning. 23, Deuteronomy 23, verse 15. Thou shalt not hand over to his master a bondman that hath escaped from his master unto thee. He shall dwell with thee even in the midst, in the place that he shall choose in one of thy gates, where it seemeth good to him. Thou shalt not oppress him. Imagine this slave working under a cruel master who has mistreated him abused him in every way he had made his escape and this law was given to enable such a slave to obtain and maintain his freedom from this cruel master you were to send them back now, we've been looking briefly at Romans 6. And if you look at Romans 6, sin is equated as a master, keeping us under its control. Because we're reminded in Psalm 51, verse 5, Behold, in iniquity was I brought forth, and in sin did my mother conceive me. We're born in sin. We're born in iniquity. That's our, our natural state. Born captive to sin and the devil. Our old man. The slave ran away and gained his freedom. But the captive to sin you and me, we need to be taken from our lost condition and placed in a new one. When Christ died and rose again, for those who identify with him in his death and resurrection, a wonderful event occurred. He died to take them out of the service of sin that they might live in association with him and bring forth fruit unto the service of God. Romans 6, 10 and 11 For in that he has died, he has died to sin once for all, but in that he lives, he lives to God. So also ye reckon yourselves dead to sin 
and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We said there that those of us who identify with Christ, we've been taken from one place under the, 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 the burden of sin and the bond, being a bondsman to sin, we are taken from that situation and placed in a new situation. And we see that in Colossians 1.13 who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. And that's why Paul when he's preaching and speaking in, in the epistles he constantly calls himself a bond slave of Jesus Christ. He had been a slave of sin. But he had been translated from the kingdom of Satan, the kingdom of darkness, and brought into the kingdom of God's own beloved son. Let's go back to the little runaway slave. Jesus said, Verily, verily, this is in John 8, 31 to 36, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the Son abideth ever. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. If the Son makes us free from sin and the burden of sin, we shall be free indeed. There are just two positions brought before us in this scripture. The first one is that of being slaves of sin. A servant of sin, Jesus said. Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the other is that of the slaves of sin and that of the sons of God. We have two. Either we're slaves of sin or we are, as we have become, the sons of God. The first one, being slaves to sin, we are that by human nature. That's what, that's what we're born as. But through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and through the grace of God, we then move in on the ground of redemption and the Holy Spirit gives us the consciousness of our new relationship with God as Father. In Galatians 4 and verse 6 it says, And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Son into our hearts. Do you get that? And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You know, if that slave had been in uh, the, 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 his master's house working and being abused and under the power of that master, if he had suddenly died, well, the whole situation would have been so good as far as the slave was concerned. Because by his death, 
he would have had been delivered from the power and the control of his master. He would have died. Therefore that master had no power over him anymore. And the slave would never have had to endure that control in his life again. But the scripture says we should identify with Christ in his death. And that's why Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. He reckoned himself dead in Christ. We are called in scripture to view ourselves as having died to sin in the death of Christ. And as being no longer in the flesh and under condemnation as being a child of Adam, our true nature. But as dead to sin and alive unto God. We are therefore then exhorted by Paul to present our bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable unto God as our reasonable service. And this is the way we may know and have peace with God and live in the light of our Lord's victory at Calvary. We are not only forgiven of our sins and as we sin daily unfortunately we have an advocate with the Father. We have that verse he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins if we confess our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness but we also through the death of Christ have freedom from sin because we reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive on to righteousness and for these reasons we remember his death his death and finally finally it says until he come until he come someday soon we hope our blessed Lord shall return to take us to be with himself and that's what the Bible speaks of as our blessed hope. Some golden daybreak, Jesus will come. Some golden daybreak, battles all won. He'll shout the victory, break through the blue. Some golden daybreak for me, for you. Changed in a moment, like him to be, oh glorious daybreak Jesus I'll see what a wonderful saviour we have as we come this morning to remember his death down from his glory ever living story my God and saviour came and Jesus was his name
born in a manger to his own a stranger, a man of sorrows, tears, and agony. What condescension, bringing us redemption, that in the dead of night not one faint hope in sight, God gracious, tender, laid aside his splendor, stooping to woo, to win, to save my soul. Without reluctance, flesh and blood his substance, he took the form of man, revealed the hidden plan. O glorious mystery, sacrifice of Calvary, and now I know him as the great I am. Oh, how I love him, how I adore him, my breath, my sunshine, my all in all, the great creator became my saviour, and all God's fullness dwelleth in him.